If you were not here this morning to hear Preston's sermon, you missed a good one. I certainly appreciate what he said this morning. We can look in the scriptures and find comfort. There's no doubt about it. Before I get into the lesson tonight, I want to just remind you of our upcoming meeting. And of course, it's in the bulletin uh, with Brother Wesley Simons dealing with the second coming. That is an issue that is very interesting to many people. And a lot of people will come and hear lessons on the second coming before they'll come and hear the lessons presented on obeying the gospel. And we know how the world is, but it would be a good time for you to invite your friends and family to come and hear these lessons because you know Brother Wesley's going to do an excellent job. And also it's good for us because uh, we know what the world teaches and those things can be confusing. And we most definitely want to make sure that we uh, know what the scriptures teach about the second coming. Tonight we're going to look at some things that are very basic, uh, nothing new. And, and at first it might seem like we're just talking about obeying the gospel, but I want to look a little deeper than just obeying the gospel. Because as Christians, we obey the gospel for certain reasons, not only to have eternal life, but there are things that are connected with those commands that involve obeying the gospel. And of course, the world does not understand what obeying the gospel means, so as we teach the world, we have to oftentimes teach them what that really means. It's not that they're not familiar with the word gospel, it's just that they don't understand all that's involved in it. And not that it's complicated, but yet there are some things involved in obeying the gospel that the religious world bypasses, and of course, we understand many of their beliefs as far as why they believe certain things. But the question tonight is, if I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to, and then we have a blank. Now, we know what the Bible teaches, and I'm sure if you ask yourself or made that statement to yourself, you can add a lot of things into that blank. But there are some things that are absolutely necessary. If I want to go to heaven, or if you want to go to heaven, there are some things that are absolutely necessary that we can't do away with. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I hope you have your Bibles with you because we're going to look at some verses. We're going to look at some things a little more in depth. Won't get too, too deep on it, but a little bit deeper than what we normally talk about. We talk about the uh, gospel plan of salvation and those things that we must do in order to have eternal salvation. The first thing I want to look at tonight, and if I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to hear the truth, hear the word of God. From the very beginning, God commanded Adam of certain things. If you notice, the human body is created in a way that we have two ears. We have two eyes. We have one tongue. Now, I know James has a lot to say about the tongue, but we only have one tongue, but look what it can do. But we have two ears and two eyes. So maybe we ought to look and listen a little more than speaking sometimes. But we see that God created us in a way that we can hear sounds. He has created us with a mind or a brain that is capable of learning and understanding and remembering. He has given us the tongue. He's given us vocal cords so that we can make sounds. So the line of communication could be complete with humanity. But when we look in the scriptures and we find the command to hear, 
it carries more than just the fact that we need to hear something audibly. It really carries the meaning of understanding and obeying. For example, when God talked about Christ and how pleased he was with Christ, and then he made the statement, hear ye him. Now God wasn't just saying, just listen to him and then whatever you decide, that's okay. We know that God's commands cannot be set aside. God's commands are absolutely necessary for us to follow. And when God said hear, he meant obey what I say. It's not a matter of choice. Now, does God force people to obey what he says? No, God doesn't force anybody. But the force behind the command is you obey what I say. And we know that, and as Preston talked about this morning, reaping what you sow. The consequences are there. As parents, we often taught our children, well, you can do this and you can do that, but here are the consequences. Because actions oftentimes carry negative consequences. And we try to tell our children that. We try to warn them of these things. And oftentimes parents will say, well, I don't want my children to make the same mistakes that I made. Well, that's good. Because I know I've made a lot of mistakes, and I don't want my children to make some of those. But yet, oftentimes, that's the best way to learn. Not that we want to make mistakes, but yet we learn from those things that we do that are wrong. And I'm not necessarily talking about moral things, anything. How many times do you have to hit your thumb with a hammer when you're trying to hammer a nail before you learn that that's not the way to hammer a nail? You know, it doesn't take you very long to realize that that's not something you want to do. That's a mistake. But when we look at the fact that God has commanded us to hear, in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, and of course we know that God has always communi communicated with man. He has always let man know exactly what he has wanted in service to him. And of course when God brought the children of Israel across the Red Sea and he gives the law at Mount Sinai, he tells them many things. The law of Moses, oftentimes people think the law of Moses is just basically the Ten Commandments. But if you go back and you study the law of Moses, you will find that there are several laws and several requirements of the children of Israel. They had to do things a certain way, certain times, and God communicated with them. Notice what he says in Deuteronomy 5.1. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. So it wasn't a matter of just getting the people together and say, okay, here it is, take it or leave it. There was a purpose to him speaking to the children of Israel, commanded by God, and it was why. Look at, look at it once again. They were to learn the statutes and the judgments, in other words, the laws. They were to know that in order to serve God. But he goes on and he says that they may learn them, not just learn them, you know, because we can learn something and then just go on our merry way and not pay it any attention anymore in our lives, if that's the case. But he says, learn them and keep them and do them. That is God's command. And we know that God has commanded all men to repent. Now, will all people repent? No, but that is God's command. And therefore, God expects or wants and desires every person to follow that command. But of course we know God has all knowledge, foreknowledge. He understands that man will disobey him. 
So when we look at the word hear, it is more than just hearing something. It is understanding, when it comes to God's word, that that is what God says. We understand that there are certain areas in service to God that fall in the area of opinion. But we also know that God has given commandments for us to follow that we cannot put in the area of opinions. We're here tonight. We got here. Our service started about 30 minutes ago. Well, that is a decision that was left up to the elders of this congregation. God didn't command us to be here at 6 o'clock. But we are commanded to worship on the first day of the week. So we see that there are areas of opinion, but also areas that cannot be neglected, cannot be set aside. If you will, turn to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at verse 16 for a moment. We know that Paul took Timothy under his wing and he taught him because he knew Timothy was going to need that teaching, not only to be the Christian that God wanted him to be, but he had certain responsibilities. He knew that Timothy was going to face certain situations and he needed to know how to deal with those. That's like any of us as we've gotten older, we have learned a lot of life lessons uh, as we have advanced in years. And we can turn around and we can look at young people and we can help guide them and teach them and let them know certain areas that they need to understand so that they can be able to live in this world correctly. Well, Paul was teaching Timothy many things because Timothy being a young preacher, Paul being a preacher also understood what it took to try to communicate with people. But in verse 16 he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in this, doing this thou shalt both, uh, both save thyself and them that hear thee. So the words that Timothy was going to be speaking would be able to save people. Not because of anything Timothy had as far as power or anything, but the fact that these were words from God that instructs people how to have eternal salvation. Paul wanted him to, first of all, take care of himself. As he says, save thyself and them that hear thee. Because God commands His Word. We're to hear that Word. We're to obey that Word. We cannot set it aside. We can't just say, well, that really doesn't matter. Although people in the world do. Even in the religious world. People think they have what some people call religious freedom in interpretation of the Scriptures. That whatever you want that to say, that's perfectly okay. Because after all, God is love. Well, we know God is love. We know that in order to help people understand the truth, we have a love for people. I wouldn't be trying to preach the gospel to people and get them to uh, obey the gospel if I didn't care about them, and you wouldn't either. But God is more than love. God is justice. And as Timothy learns here, that he has to keep himself in a position to where he's pleasing to God, and the fact that what he teaches is going to help people reach the same goal. So hearing means more than just hearing something audibly. It means to understand it and obey it. Because in Romans 10, 17, Paul says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, if you'll back up a few verses as he talks about that, he makes the comment that not all have obeyed the gospel. Why? It wasn't that they didn't hear it. It wasn't that they had not heard the word of God. They chose not to obey it. 
it will not take you very long once you start trying to help people understand the Bible and get them to obey the truth that the majority of them do not care. Now that does not relieve us of the obligation to preach and teach. It just means that we've got a, an uphill battle, basically. But you know, there's no greater joy than helping people understand God's Word. We understand the truth. We follow the truth. We should want people to do the same. So hearing the Word carries a deeper meaning than just hearing it audibly. It means that God commands people to hear the Word, and they are to hear the Word. Whether they think that they need to obey it or not, they may never come to that realization, but that does not let them off the hook that they're to obey God. We talk about the existence of God. Oftentimes you will see debates about the existence of God. You have atheists who do not believe in God at all. You have agnostics who say, well, there's not enough evidence to show that God exists. Well, oftentimes we have the feeling or the impression that people ought to believe in God just because we believe in God. It's not the case. Well, I want you to understand that God exists because I believe that God exists. You know, God existing has nothing to do with whether I believe it or not. God exists whether I ever accept or come to that reality. God's existence isn't based on my acceptance or my belief. I mean, I'm just going to be a short time on this earth, although... I'll be going into eternity one day. But my life doesn't necessarily prove that God exists. We can read in His Word how He exists. That's where we go to show people that God exists. We can talk about faith all day long, but how's a person going to see your faith unless they see it in action? So we can give lip service, but hearing the Word of God carries more with it than just hearing it. It actually carries commandment to do it. If I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to accept or believe what the Bible teaches. Unfortunately, there are people who do not understand how to study the Word of God. And I do feel for people who have been programmed to believe a certain thing. Because that means most of the time they will not step outside of what they've been taught. They will not examine what they've been taught. They just accept it. And they will go to their grave accepting what they've been taught. Although we all have been taught from a child certain things, God gives us a mind to be able to step back and analyze things, understand things for ourselves. We do have members of the church that oftentimes just listen to whatever is being said. They never really study to see if those things are right. It just sounds right to them. Remember when Paul told Timothy about those that would not endure sound doctrines but would heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears? In other words, it sounds good to us. Therefore, I'll accept it. If it doesn't sound good to me, it's almost like taking the nails and running them down the chalkboard. You know <laughs> You know how that sounds. That's not a pleasant sound. Well, a lot of times when you speak the truth to people, that is not a pleasant sound because it goes against what they have been taught and it goes against the beliefs they have formed on their own. And therefore, oftentimes, they're going to stand firm on that. And it, 
You wouldn't be able to move them off of it with a stick of dynamite. Because some people are that close-minded. I've had many statements made to me about personal faith and people and them not changing. But the fact that we must believe and accept the truth, many people say, yes, I do believe that. I believe that we ought to accept, accept the Bible as God's Word. Yet they don't understand what the Bible teaches. Now they'll accept what they've been taught and what they know from maybe experience or what they have gathered on their own in thinking. And therefore, in their minds and in their hearts, they're going by what the Bible teaches. Now that doesn't mean they're bad people. It means that they're not at a point that they're ready to examine what they believe. Oftentimes, in the years past, when I've preached sermons, I have told people, don't take my word for it. Study to make sure that what I'm saying is in harmony with the Scriptures. Because I'm human, I can make mistakes. Oftentimes, and anybody that stands up and speaks publicly can tell you that a lot of times when we're speaking, we may make a statement that we're not even aware of because our mind is focused on other things. I think one time I was talking about Methuselah and his age and I got it wrong. But I didn't realize that until somebody said something to me, I think, later on. So mistakes can be made. But when people actually believe something to be the truth, then if it's error, it is hard to get them to understand that they're believing something that is incorrect according to God's Word. But when we look at what Jesus said in John 17, 17, He said, Sanctify them, how? Through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Now, a lot of people say, well, truth is whatever you want it to be. People say, well, you can't know anything for sure. You know what I always thought was funny about that statement? How did they know that? Because they're making a statement that is supposed to be absolutely correct, right? You can't know anything for sure. So I'm telling you that for a fact. Well, how do they know that that's a fact? See, they don't stop to think about that. Most of the time when people try to defend error, they end up being illogical. Logic goes out the window. Common sense goes out the window. When people try to defend error or defend their belief, that is error. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing that truth will always overcome error. Now, when we look at accepting and believing, look at John 3.16. This is a, uh, and we're going to look at 17 and 18, the verses following also, but this verse is very popular among people who consider themselves Christians. Whether they believe it to be salvation by faith only or whatever they believe by it, this is a very popular verse. But notice what we have following verse 16. Of course, we know the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe in Jesus. The Bible tells me that all I have to do is believe. Well, notice what John, uh, what our Lord goes on to say. It's recorded by John. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So belief is absolutely necessary. And it does carry more than just saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, how can you believe in Christ and say, I love Christ, and yet not follow his commandments? Many, and I think this was something that might, might have been popular back in the 60s and 70s, this idea, give me the man but not the plan, was a phrase that was used. In other words, they did not understand that you cannot uh, separate Christ and the church. Well, I want Christ, I want to follow Christ, but I don't want your religion. I don't want what you teach down there at that church. Well, people today still don't understand about the true church. They'll say, well, all you do is you believe that Church of Christ doctrine. Well, absolutely. But they don't understand what the Church of Christ doctrine is. It's not denominational Church of Christ doctrine. It's biblical doctrine. It's the doctrine that Christ put forth. The teachings that Christ put forth. So the teachings that Christ put, Christ put forth are Christ's teaching. Church of Christ, since Christ died for the church. But when we talk about believing, it's not a matter of just believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And there are some, even in the church, who talk about what may be called bull's, bullseye gospel or core gospel beliefs. That really the only thing that matters is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and that we need to follow him. It's more or less moving back over into the denominational doctrines, but they call them the core beliefs. Remember what the Hebrew writer said, if you turn over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. We understand that there are basics in obeying the gospel. We understand that as a Christian you will mature, you will learn, and you should advance in your knowledge as a Christian. Uh, I hope that you have that as your desire. And I'm not sure if it was Jim or, or someone that just said recently uh, that as a preacher, the more we study, the more we realize the little we know. Now that sounds kind of strange, but it, to, to a person who continually studies, especially a preacher, you realize how much more is there than we ever get to. Sometimes, and, and you know, it would be nice to think, well, that'd be nice if God could just pour all the knowledge that we need right into our heads. <laughs> you know, you wake up one morning and you've got every bit of knowledge that, that God has. You know, it's not wanting to be powerful like God. It's just wanting to have knowledge, to understand. But we see that the Hebrews writer talks about the fact that these brethren had not studied or they had not been faithful enough to grow and mature. Look at verse 12. He says, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. Why? Why would the Hebrews writer state that? He goes on to say, talking about the first principles, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. In other words, they had not matured. There are basics, there are principles. That's the foundation. But as Christians, we move on from that. And when we look at believing God, it carries more than just the idea of mental acknowledgement. That God exists and Christ exists and I should follow Christ. It goes much deeper than that. And if I want to go to heaven, I'm going to not only have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I'm going to have to believe the Word of God. I'm going to have to believe that this is 100% God's Word. There's so much discussion and debate in the religious world today about whether this is God's 
word, whether it's complete, whether it's totally inerrant, the list goes on and on. I'm here to tell you tonight, if I didn't believe this was 100% the word of God, you wouldn't see me up here tonight. I'd be off doing something else. Because if I can't put my faith in something that I believe is 100% the word of God, I'm wasting my time. I don't have to show the rest of the world that I'm some type of religious person. But I think there was a survey that was done some time ago of denominational preachers. And only about 80% of them believed that this was truly God's inspired word without error. Imagine that. How can people stand up and preach something as truth and not believe it to be completely the truth? Well, we understand that there are reasons for that. Some people like position. Some people like notoriety. Some people like money. And they do that. Why do you have people that are con artists in religion? You look at the guys and, and the women on TV. I can guarantee you the majority of them there are there because of the money and the popularity, notoriety. I don't know if you remember an actor called Mar uh, Marjo Gortner. And, uh, of course, I'm not sure his age now, but he was a, a young fellow, and he was taught to be a young evangelist. And as he got older, he told the truth about what he was taught. He was trained to be a con artist, basically. Now, we, you know, we know that happens. You know, we weren't just born yesterday. But yet to believe, to totally believe that this is the Word of God means that I'm going to accept what it says when it comes to commandments. There are those who have the idea, and, and I know that we covered it in uh, Preston's classes about those that believe that there's a difference between the spirit and the flesh. You know, you got people like that today. Why? Because they love to go out and be part of, you know, society and do whatever they want. But then they try to separate and say, well, I, you know, I'm religious over here, but yet turn around, they're right back out there with the world. And they don't see anything wrong with that in a lot of cases. But obeying and believing and accepting what the Bible says, why do people have such a hard time accepting Mark 16, 16? He that believeth and is baptized. Why do people put up such a fight with that? Why is there such a hatred for baptism? Well, Christ commanded it. Not only that, but many other things. And if I accept God, accept His Word, accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to follow what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to find out what those commandments are. There are many today who say that the New Testament is a love letter. There are no commandments and no laws. Well, Galatians 6, 2 says it and talks about the law of Christ. What? The law of Christ? Oh, there's no law of Christ. It's all grace. It's all love. Oh, the, the old law, law of Moses, that was a law. But there's no law of Christ. Well, I guess Paul was wrong then, wasn't he? Paul thought there was a law of Christ. I wish somebody had informed Paul correctly back then. Maybe he would have gotten it right. But we see that Paul did not get it incorrectly. He got it correctly. He got it straight from the Spirit. If I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to obey God. This doesn't mean that I can accept Christ and then go out and live my life the way I want to. We look at what Paul did, and we, we look at the list of the works of the flesh. Why did Paul list the works of the flesh? 
If there's no problem with going out and doing what you want, and God's going to love you anyway, and you're going to be saved no matter what, why would Paul list something like that? He was a negative person, wasn't he? Yeah. Over the past few years, a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists have tried to convince people they don't need to feel guilty about anything. Well, you know, I'm glad I feel guilty about some things because that means I can get my life right with God. It means I acknowledge my sin. Go back and study the Sermon on the Mount and look at those things that Christ talks about, being poor in spirit. and Go back and look at those and see how we're supposed to be. If we never felt guilty or sorry for anything, we'd never apologize to God, would we? We'd never, accept, uh, we'd never seek His forgiveness. But we must obey. And as, as Paul says in Romans 16 in verse 7, talks about we obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Well, what form? Evidently, there had to be something that had been taking place beforehand on a regular basis in a certain way in order for Paul to say form which means pattern. They obeyed from the heart. First of all, they gave their heart, and then they did it according to what had been taught and what had been practiced. It's not a matter of just obeying and saying, well, that's, you know, that's the way I see it. You know, God can take it or leave it. We obey God because we love Him. And we know the, what people call the steps of salvation here, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And people want to make light of those things. They call us the five steppers. But as we look at those things tonight, we see that those things are absolutely essential. We can't do away with those. We can't say, well, I'm going to believe Christ, I'm going to accept Christ, but you know, I'm just going to continue to live the way that I want to. I don't really think it's necessary for me to repent. I'm not that bad of a person. Surely God's going to overlook that for me. Well, we understand that we must obey God. When it comes to salvation, it's not only the, step, the things that are involved in us becoming children of God, becoming Christians, it's after that also. I must obey the commands to conduct myself properly. My behavior must be correct according to God's Word. That's what obey means. Obey means I'm going to look at what God has said and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to try to justify my actions. I'm not going to try to cut the corners. I'm going to find out what God says I have to do and that's what I'm going to set my sights on doing. Does that mean I'm going to be perfect? Does that mean that I won't ever sin? But I tell you what, when you have the idea that you're going to do what God says and you're looking to find those things, you're headed in the right direction. Because the only way that we can truly obey God is to know what His Word says and then give of ourselves and obey God. We look at the fact that many people try to make up their own ways of salvation. That was what Paul was trying to express to his Jewish brethren. We go back and we look at the letter to the Romans and look at the uh, fact of chapter 2 there, and he talks about that the Jews had gone about to establish their own righteousness. In the fact that they were, not, they were turning their backs on the gospel, but they, then they were going to, in essence, be setting their own standards for their own salvation. So we must obey according to what the Bible says. If I want to go to heaven and have, if I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to be faithful. 
There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. I understand why people believe that, but I don't understand why they wouldn't look to see if what they believe is correct. We have verses that show most definitely that there is no such doctrine or belief as once saved, always saved. Be faithful means that we're going to follow God's word, live for him day in and day out, all the days that we're on this earth. You know, John, as in Revelation 2.10, talks about being faithful unto death and receiving a crown. Now, common sense plays a part in this, right? We know opposites. We understand if you do something and if you don't do something, the consequences. That's one great thing God gives us is the ability to think and reason. Just plain old common sense and what some people might say good old horse sense. You know, God gives us that, and, and we have, unfortunately, come across people in our lives that may not have a lot of common sense. They may be smart in other areas, but that doesn't mean they can't learn the gospel. But when we look at God's Word, we have to understand that sometimes we just have to look at it with common sense. And yet people think that that would be something incorrect. That since it's God's Word, it's religious, it's in some cases, they would say mysterious and so on and so forth, that surely common sense would be something that would not be used in understanding God's Word. But when we look at the fact that we're to be faithful, we see 1 John 1, 7, how we're to walk in the light, continue to walk in the light. If we start sinning and you know live a life of sin, we're no longer walking in the light. Now, John's not talking about when we, you know, happen to sin here or, you know, something is, you know, something we didn't plan on or something we plan on. It's a life of sin that is the problem. Not walking in the light, but we're commanded to walk in the light. And then as in 2 John, verse 9 and 10, as John talks about abiding in the doctrine of Christ. Well, that means continuing in the teaching of Christ. Did Christ teach us? to be faithful and to be obedient? Absolutely. So therefore, when I'm abiding in the doctrine of Christ, I'm going to be abiding in those areas. Following God, living day in and day out. Notice a couple of passages here before time gets away from us about those rejecting the Word of God, what the Bible says about rejection. We know that Jesus, as recorded in John 12, 48, said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we see that Christ talks about the possibility of rejecting the truth. If we look at Luke 9, 62, this is a verse that I don't know too many people really look at a whole lot. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to look at 9, 62, uh, you'll see how simple this is. It's not complicated at all. Oftentimes I say, if I can understand it, a lot of people can understand it because, you know, I'm just an average person. Jesus says, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. That's pretty clear, isn't it? A person who turns his back on God is not fit for the kingdom. So if a person's not fit for the kingdom, how in the world are they going to have eternal salvation? How are they going to make it past judgment day? Because each of us are going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what we've done, whether good or bad. Our whole lives are going to be presented there at judgment day. What have we done? You know, I was talking with someone the other day about people who say they have died and come back to life. And they'll always tell you what they saw and what was said. You know, I have yet to hear one of those people say, well, the Lord told me to come back and preach the gospel. He that hear 
word, believes it, repents, confesses, and is baptized, is added to the one church. I have never heard any of them say anything like that. So that tells me right there, they didn't go talk to the Lord. But we need to understand that people can reject the kingdom, that there is no once saved, always saved. And one of the best ones that I like to use, because people who consider themselves Christians believe in the book of life. Talk about having your name written in the book of life. If you've got your name written in the book of life, it's written in the right book for the right reasons. And your eternal reward will be eternity with God. But notice what we read in Revelation 3 and verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So what does that tell us? Using common sense, that tells me if I don't do what God says, if I don't continue in that, my name's going to be kicked out of the book of life. It's not going to be there anymore. But Christ says that if the person that overcomes, he will not blot out his name. So that tells me if I don't overcome, Christ is going to blot out my name. No such thing as once saved, always saved. So as a Christian, I have to be faithful to the day that I die. Not only do we have God's Word saying that, we have examples. The Apostle Paul is a great example. He says, I fought a good fight. Is that what he says? Kept, talked about keeping the faith and doing what was right. And he was ready. He was ready to be offered. He was ready to leave this world. Why? Because he had done what was right. Therefore, he had no fear of being rejected, no fear of his name being out, taken out of the book of life. Now, yes, we've looked at hear, believe, obey, or talk about repentance. And com uh, confessing Christ's name publicly is something that also has to be done because Christ talked about that. He says, if a person's not going to confess me before mankind, he says, I'm not confessing that person before my Father in heaven. Why should he? So we see confession is absolutely necessary. And then to be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16, and many other verses. That's what it takes to become a Christian. That's what it takes to go to heaven. And if I want to go to heaven, I have no choice but to obey these commands. If you're here tonight and you need to obey these commands, this is the time to do it. Don't put it off. You may walk out this building and never breathe another breath. Too late then. No second chance. If you need to respond to the invitation tonight to become a Christian, I encourage you to do so. And as a child of God, if you need to come forward at this time and make your heart right with God in a public way, we pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing.